1: This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Hello, hello, hello. It's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And uh, today, a very interesting show for you. It's Why the Rich are Getting Richer, not to unabashedly bash or promote my latest book, Why the Rich are Getting Richer, by the same title. And that book has always what Rich Dad Company is always about financial education, something our schools lack. So our guest today is Michael Soenfelt, and he is, the, he is the founder and chairman of the famous Tiger 21 Group. I've heard about this group many, many times. They have a chapter here in Phoenix. And he's the premier peer-to-peer learning network for high net worth, first-generation wealth creators in North America and London. So, Kim, what do you want to say? Well, I'm,
2: no, I'm looking forward to this show because, um, you know, we just came off the road from South America, Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. And we were, ta- we've, were talking about real teachers versus fake teachers. And the real teachers are teachers who are out there in the real world doing the real thing versus teachers who talk theory and tell you how to do it, but they're not in business or they're not investing. They're basically textbook academics so today we're gonna to learn from Michael who not only is a real do it doing it everyday guy who's a real teacher but he works with all of these very very successful entrepreneurs and I like first-generation wealth creators not you know they didn't inherit it from mom and dad they built it and we're gonna learn some of the secrets kind of the behind the scenes what they talk about what they're saying I'm, I'm fascinated so I want to get
0: started And so he's promoting his um, latest book. It's called Think Bigger and 39 Other Winning Strategies from Successful Entrepreneurs. Again, there's real entrepreneurs and fake entrepreneurs. And the thing I love about the book, they're real. And I'm I'm really doing my best to tell you right now the reason most people are in trouble financially is they had fake teachers. They don't know what they're talking about. They have no idea about money. So that was my poor dad, Stanford Granite, Stanford graduate, graduate, University of Chicago, Northwestern University, but he knew nothing about money, but he could tell you how to do it, he just couldn't do it himself. So the story of rich dad, poor dad is really a story about real teachers versus fake teachers. So welcome to the program, Michael. Welcome, Michael, thanks for
3: being here. Thank you, thanks so much for having me, it's great to be here. First question is, can you give us a little about
0: your background for people who don't know you? And and the Tiger 21, I, I never knew the the acronym TIGER stood for. So anyway, we'll start with that. What does TIGER stand for? Sure. Uh,
3: TIGER 21 stands for the Investment Group for Enhanced Results in the 21st Century, and we're about 550 successful entrepreneurs, almost all first-generation wealth creators across 35 cities in North America and now London, uh, learning from one another, really trying to figure out what worked and how to do it better, each on our own, each managing our own money, but getting together once a month for a full day in groups of 12 to 15 people, totally confidential, and sharing best ideas, best practices, and helping each other solve the issues that are uh, most on their mind.
0: So quote-unquote, these people have made
3: it already. That's correct.
0: And I'm asked, next question is, what is your personal, oh why did you start Tiger 21? What was the reason, what was your motivation?
3: Sure. So I was, I was a lucky young entrepreneur in my 20s. I developed a project called the Harborside Financial Center with a partner and sold it at 31 and thought I made more money than I ever would have expected. And uh, over the next few years, I made many investments, but I didn't have a well-thought-out strategy for preserving wealth. I was just in a wealth creation mode. And after a few years, I'd gone backwards a little and said, you know, I didn't do this as smartly as I'd like. And I went back and started another company that was in the real estate business buying distressed real estate and uh, built that up to over a billion dollars in assets and then sold that for a second time, my second liquidity event at 43. And I said, I don't wanna have to go through this again. What do people who have been through the journey that I've been on How did they learn from one another? How did they preserve wealth? How did they have a prudent diversification of their portfolio? And frankly, how did they not let their entrepreneurial skills get in the way of being a good investor? Because most entrepreneurs, the best entrepreneurs, are mediocre investors on average. They're two different breeds, two different species.
2: That's a that's a really good point because a lot of times people think oh well if you're successful as an entrepreneur you should be very successful in handling your money but you're saying Absolutely. It's, not, it's not the same person.
3: Actually that's you know I uh, I'm talking about my book because this was one of the big lessons that I learned in researching the book most people lump successful entrepreneurs and successful investors together but it's kind of like Uh, We think of snow, not in Phoenix so much, as that white stuff, and they have nine different words for it in Alaska because there are many variations. Entrepreneurs love what they do. Most entrepreneurs start a business because they have a passion to do something, and it's their baby. They put all of their resources in a single uh, activity, and they milk it for all it's worth. If you do that as an investor, you'll be broke. Investors prudently diversify, and almost everything they have is for sale at a price. An entrepreneur wouldn't give up their baby uh, for anything.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's (laughs) definitely correct. So, again, once again, his book is Think Bigger. Is it out yet?
3: Yes, it hit the stores on Mondays, and it's available across the country and uh, on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble online. Is that your first book? It is my first book. Uh,
0: I want to congratulate you, Michael. I mean, the parts that I did read are brilliant. Again, it was written for a guy like me who never did well in school. But your stories are powerful, simple, to the point, and memorable. So everybody, I recommend
3: I'm I'm curious. You you mentioned you didn't do well in school. I've actually dropped out of school three times, although I ended up uh, finishing at MIT. And um, the reason I'm bringing it up is because... Um, a lot of entrepreneurs have learning issues. And what makes them successful entrepreneurs, this is a, a little known sort of secret, is that, they couldn't function in a corporate environment they could be really smart they could have amazing passions but they just couldn't function in a corporate environment so when they create their own company they create a custom-made environment for them to succeed in they create an environment that plays to their strengths and minimizes their weakness so you find an unusual degree of learning issues ADD ADHD and all sorts of things that the doctors call on the spectrum uh, among really successful entrepreneurs, I would say that
0: is the case for both Kim and I. But also, there's a we were already ma- we had already made it when we started the Rich Dad Company. But mm-hmm. I was
2: but I was fired twice, not once but twice, <laughs> from my first job outside after college.
0: <laughs> but I there, didn't go. I didn't
2: fit that environment <sighs> very well either, Michael. So our right. point was we
0: designed a company the way my rich dad taught me, and my rich dad taught me playing Monopoly. You know, four greenhouses, one red hotel. So Kim and I now own massive amounts of real estate. Not like Trump does, my buddy. But uh, he, but we our model is the same. He licenses, we license.
4: Uh-huh. So we we.
0: But again, our model is actually McDonald's. You know, McDonald's business is real estate. So the rich yeah. debt company buys real estate for Kim and I, using debt. And minimizing tax, and that's really our model. So it's, we follow Ray Kroc all over the world. And uh, well, but, just two. But yeah, two. But things. I didn't. I didn't learn in school. So we created this little board game called Cash Flow, and it's the mm-hmm. only game that teaches accounting while people are having fun. So there's thousands of and Cash investing. Flow clubs all over the world. People teaching people, like my rich dad taught me. So it, it, you're exactly correct. I didn't learn by listening to a teacher. I learned by playing games.
3: Well, two things. First of all, Kim, you said you were fired twice. Uh, in the book, one of the people that we interview, Rick Gorto from uh, Houston, says, you want to know the definition of an, o- of an entrepreneur? It's 30 years old and just fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I was pretty that, close. That's what, what, that's, that's what he calls it. But the other thing is that when you talk about real estate, obviously, uh, the largest number or traditionally the largest number of people on the Forbes 400 list, or a very large number, were real estate. But we've had an amazing thing happen across Tiger. Uh, we do an asset allocation and look at where all our members are investing. And these are obviously, obviously some of the most successful entrepreneurs Real estate hit an all-time high, 33% of assets across our $50 billion of assets is in real estate. It had wow. hovered around 25% uh, for the last decade and in the last couple of years has inched all the way up to 33%. So clearly uh, you're not alone in your uh, in your perspective. Well,
0: with negative interest rates, what else would you do with your money? On the stock market, you know what I mean? I look at that stuff, well, and I go crazy. But anyway, our yeah. guest today is Michael Sonnenfeld, and he is founder of the very elite group, Tiger21, and he is a, a serial entrepreneur, very big-hearted man, believes in education, and his, his specialty is peer-to-peer, what we call people teaching people, learning for high-net-worth, first-generation, wealth creators. In other words, you have to have made it to join Tiger 21. And his first book is Think Bigger and 39 Other Winning Strategies for Successful Entrepreneurs. Just out. I recommend it because the sections I just read were simple, powerful, and real.
2: So Michael, it sounds like a lot of Tiger 21, you're really giving financial education to successful entrepreneurs.
3: Mm-hmm. It's It's learning from one another. You know, the whole key key to the concept of peer-to-peer is that you learn from one another. We just provide the plumbing or the setting, if you will, that creates the integrity and total confidentiality so people can talk about these things. But when you've uh, sold a business after working 20, 30 years and you're lucky enough to be considered a successful entrepreneur, about half your agenda is preserving wealth. But it turns out the other half is what I would call the search from success to significance and sometimes that has to do with legacy uh, and most often it has to do with children. That's the number one issue that comes up among successful entrepreneurs in part because while they were being so successful, Sometimes they neglected their parental duties and they get to be 50 or 60 years old and wake up and say, you know, I have to restore the relationship with my kids. My other friends may have done a better job, but I had my nose to the grindstone for 30 years. Now I want to start uh, reconnecting with my kids in the most positive way I can.
0: Once again, our guest is Michael Sonnenfeld, and he's a founder of Tiger 21, very elite group for people who have made it. And he's talking about peer-to-peer, what we call people teaching people, about financial education. And we come back, his new book, Think Bigger and 39 Other Strategies from Successful Entrepreneurs. We'll talk more about that for those of you who still would like to someday be invited to Tiger 21.
1: You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki.
4: Do you own an LLC or LP? Are you aware of the new rules? The IRS has mandated new audit rules that require every LLC operating agreement and LP limited partnership agreement be amended. This dramatic requirement has never before been experienced, and changes must be made by December 31st. Corporate Direct, owned by Rich Dad advisor Garrett Sutton, can guide you through these new rules. Call 800-600-1760. That's 800-600-1760 or visit CorporateDirect.com. Contact Corporate Direct today to stay in IRS compliance.
1: Your financial education continues. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show.
0: Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, and the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. The reason we archive them is because repetition is one of the best ways to learn. So if you need one to hear this program again, just go to richdadradio.com. But also, especially if you have friends, family, and business associates, this is a very important uh, program to listen to because our guest today is uh, Michael Sonnenfeld, and he's the founder of the uh, Elite Tiger 21, the premier peer-to-peer learning network for high-network, first-generation wealth creators in North America and London. And he's the author of his book, Think Bigger and 39 Other Winning Strategies from Successful Entrepreneurs. And I said, I just glanced at it uh, this morning. I just got in from Brazil. And what I like about it, it's real. You know, one of my biggest complaints is there are real teachers and fake teachers. And the biggest problem financially today is we have fake money, not real money. They're called treasuries. So anyway, uh, it's a very important book, Think Bigger, especially for those of you who aspire to be entrepreneurs. Any comments, Kim?
2: Well, I, I think it's very um, aligned. It is definitely very aligned to what we do. I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is what the rich teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class do not. <laughs> and when talking to Michael, it's what the rich teach their kids and, and everybody else about entrepreneurship that the poor and middle class do not. So,
0: But also what happens is a complaint that, or the problem exactly as Michael defines in his book, Think Bigger, is that many entrepreneurs forget their family on the way up and they forget, you know, for 30 years they have kids or wives and a you know, family around them. So everything the Rich Dad Company was designed to do was so people could teach people what Michael calls peer-to-peer. So Michael, what's your... What's your quote you wanted to pass on to everybody?
3: Well, first of all, two parts. You know, in, in English we say from uh, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations, and the Japanese say from rice paddies to rice paddies in three generations, and the Dutch say from clogs to clogs in three generations. And what it means is it's so common that parents are so lousy at teaching their kids the skills that allowed them to be successful that the first generation makes it the second generation takes it and the third generation loses it and uh what you're doing in your program and in your work is really trying to say how do you teach your kids and uh we were we had a member who was uh, a person who was thinking about being a member of Tiger 21 and the reason they were going to join was because they were going to have a uh, significant success in an investment and I said, I'm just curious, did, did you think about making your kids partners in the investment when you made it because that would avoid an estate tax? Maybe all the estate taxes are going away these days, but at the time, that would avoid an estate tax on the portion of the profits earned by the kids. And the, the uh, prospective member said, oh, I'm not giving my kids anything. And that sort of had an alarm bell go off on me because a lot of first-generation wealth creators feel that they had it really tough. And so they want to have a kind of tough love with their kids where uh, they want to toughen them up. But they only do that at age 20. It's kind of hard to raise a kid in splendor until age 20 and then all of a sudden pull the rug out and make it tough. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't want to give anything to my kids I want to invest everything in my kids, and that was like an amazing wow moment for me because when you talk about framing what you're doing for your kids, when you're thinking about giving them money, then you're worried about them wasting it, and you don't want to give them so much that they can do nothing. But when you're talking about the same process through the lens of investing in your kids' future. It completely reframes the conversation and allows you to talk about, okay, if this is an investment, are you going to build emotional capital or social capital or financial capital? How are you going to use this money wisely? So it's really this notion that when you're dealing with your kids, uh, for people who are in a position to leave them uh, some financial resources, think about it as an investment in their future and hold their feet to the fire to make the investment pay off.
0: Right, and that's very important advice because, as you know, if you're a, a parent, that's easier said than done, especially after they pass 14 when they know everything. Uh, we, yeah. we, we, Kim and I have some friends. One friend, they have two daughters, and they're now grown up. It doesn't speak well of the parents. You know, both daughters have chronic ulcers, and their attitude is really horrible because they know they never have to work for the rest of their lives. Mm. And, and I look at that, and I go, that was a, that's a parenting issue to me not the child's issue but anyway they're not my kids so I say nothing right Kim
2: (laughs) we uh, yeah we don't we don't uh, give advice to parents (laughs) 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 we would be fake teachers at that point (laughs) so if I can ask Michael you know the financial education is part of Tiger 21 what are what are some of the major financial issues or maybe better questions that your members are asking
3: well, one, one is uh, what is a prudent amount of money to live on relative to your wealth in a zero interest rate environment? Uh, and so our members typically live on about 2%. So whether you have $1,000 or a $1 million or even more, thinking about, like, how much can I live on if I don't have any income other than that what's coming from my wealth? And two percent is sort of a, a good rule. But the other one is all of our members. Wait, wait, wait. To, So if you have a sure. million
0: dollars net worth, that means what's that, two hundred thousand? Or no twenty thousand? Twenty thousand.
3: Twenty thousand dollars. That's if you live on more than two percent, you're gonna be depleting the assets in a in a low interest rate environment. It's hard to believe.
0: Well if you depend on interest. But anyway, that's a whole other strategy.
3: Yeah. But the the uh, the the other obviously, the one that says is like, "So what? What could I expect to earn without taking too much risk?" And that's three to four percent in this environment. So obviously, after inflation and after taxes, that's how you get to the two percent. But if somebody says, "Oh well, I, I want to earn ten percent on my money," that's really tough. You're going to start taking risks that might not be so prudent. Um, so you know, it really depends on the person's individual situation. Uh, But something that people really are interested in is how much cash do I keep on the side? We have all these unknowns. It doesn't matter whether you're worried about Iran or North Korea or climate change. There's all of this stuff going on. And how much cash should you have? Our members across the board carry it between 10 and 12% in cash. And that's uh, one of the things that uh, we look at if somebody has too little cash. They can't weather a storm, right. uh, and if they have too much cash, then obviously they're not putting their assets to work.
2: Just just a personal question. Do you discuss where you keep that cash or how you keep uh, oh, that cash?
3: Absolutely. One of the things that's unique about Tiger 21 is we do something called a portfolio defense. Every member, once a year, shares in a confidential setting their assets, their income, and where their investments are and they defend it like a thesis that's why it's called a portfolio defense and uh, we talk about this in the book a lot because it takes a month or two to prepare but it's like having your own personal board of directors because you're sharing this information with peers who are in a similar situation but each is in a different journey and so the perspective you get is quite extraordinary um, you know we talk about in cash we talk about do you have it in gold how many accounts do you have what's a custodial account because that gives you some protection and uh, how do you think about how many places should your cash be all of these uh, come to the you know come to the discussion
0: yeah we do that with our we, we have a we have a 10 advisors and we do the same thing and the first year we tried it it was worse than <laughs> pulling teeth without novocaine right. oh man you know, when somebody has to open up, you know, and disclose their position, a lot of, you know, what floats to the surface. So that's a brilliant strategy, and, um, you know, we do it. It's not easy.
3: It's really, really tough, especially when you have to admit the mistakes you've made. But almost everything that has human beings in it tends to perform better on the things they measure, a corporation, an right. organization, a team, you know, statistics and one of the things that uh, happens is when you're a really successful entrepreneur, you're not accountable to anybody. You're the you're the king of the roost or the queen of the roost. Correct. And all of a sudden you join this organization and you have a little accountability mm-hmm. to your fellow yes. members and it forces you to really admit one of the things that most people don't have, you asked before what are the lessons most people don't have an investment philosophy. They haven't taken the time to say, here's how I think the world works, here's what I think will work for me, and here's my investment philosophy and my mandate. Because if you do that thoughtfully, then each time you're tempted to lend your sister-in-law or your brother-in-law some money for some cockamamie investment, you can say, "This isn't part of my investment philosophy." And say, "Look, I'd love to do it, but I just don't have that latitude. I, I-, I believe in a discipline, and uh, that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm going to stick to."
0: Outstanding. Once again, our guest today is Michael Sonnenfeld, and he is the founder and chairman of Tiger Twenty One. For those of you who ever hope to make it in the world, maybe you'll get invited to Tiger 21. And he is the author of Think Bigger and 39 Other Winning Strategies from Successful Entrepreneurs. And like I said again, and I love it because it's from real people. And um, the thing that I've always said at Rich Dad, we have fake money and we have fake teachers. And that's, the, that's my biggest problem and the, the biggest problem in the world today is most people are working for fake money. It's called the US dollar that is, is, a, is a fiat currency and they eventually go to zero. And so what Michael is saying is crucial because you know, a lot of people talk about becoming entrepreneurs but it's exactly as Michael says. People have no investment philosophy.
2: Yeah, and, and why are you
0: working for money if you don't know what you're gonna do with it?
2: Right, and and Michael, you touched on something really important, which is exactly what we teach at Rich Dad. Is you said, in, you know, when there's zero interest, basically, you know, to ask it's to negative, interest. negative to get to one a 10 percent return. What we say is if you want a 10% return or more, you need to go get yourself financially educated, you gotta get experience, you gotta start small, you gotta do all the things, and most people are not willing to do that.
0: So when we come back, Michael will be talking about what what he thinks about the income inequality, or most importantly, the gap between the rich and everybody else, and if you're one of those everybody else, stay tuned, we'll be right
1: back. You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Rich Dad Radio Show. If you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes or Android, subscribe to the show, and leave a rating and review to help other financially-minded people like you find the Rich Dad Radio Show. Thanks for tuning in and keep on learning.
1: This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, The Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, you can listen to this program and all programs anytime, anywhere, on iTunes or Android, at your convenience. And all of our programs are archived at the Rich Dad Radio, richdadradio.com, and we archive them there simply because if you want to listen to it again, you'll learn even more from this 45 minutes of wisdom and also you can have friends, family, and business associates listen to this program and you can discuss, because when you discuss with friends, family, and business associates, all of you get smarter. So anyway, our guest today is Michael Sonnenfeld. He's a founder and chairman of Tiger 21, the premier peer-to-peer learning network for high net worth first generation wealth creators in North America and now London. And his book, his first book, is "Think Bigger" and 39 other winning strategies from successful entrepreneurs. His website is tiger21.com. So today we're talking to him, to Michael, about you know, everybody—not everybody, but many people—are entrepreneurs today, and they hope to strike it big. But oftentimes they strike it big, and they forget two things: one, one they forget about their family. And number two, they forget about what they do when they do strike it big. You know, most people won't make it, unfortunately. But many people find out the hard way that making it starts another program is what do you do with all that money. Any comments? And that's
2: given? what uh, what we're talking about is why and how the rich are getting richer. I, Michael, I have to ask just a personal question, personal curiosity. Sure. What percentage are women in your groups?
3: So we have about 9%, uh, about 45 Members are women. It's growing. It's the fastest-growing oh, segment good. within our organization, and that represents probably the same proportion. If you took entrepreneurs who are worth between $10 million and a $1 billion uh, that were self-started, that's probably similar to the number of women in that uh, group as well.
2: Okay, thanks. That's a good stat to, to have.
3: So, Michael, we're
0: talking about um, your investment philosophies and all this. I really want to know what drives you. You know, what drives me is this gap between the rich and everybody else. Well, you know, because both Kim and I, we had highly educated fathers, but both got fired in mid-career. Yeah, and that's why we became entrepreneurs. But I think what's really tragic for me here is my dad, a PhD, you know, Stanford, North, Carolina, he had all the pedigrees. He knew nothing about money, and ever since then, and that was where my rich dad kicked in. It was my best friend's father. And ever since then we started teaching people about entrepreneurship, but most importantly, investing your money before you get rich. And that's what what drives me. And I'm really kind of right now upset with the school system, I've been there for many years. Why don't we teach kids about money? I never understood that. So what drives you?
3: So first of all, I couldn't agree more. I think that uh, the biggest challenge that we have right now in our society is that there are certain measures where entrepreneurialism is in decline. As an example, 25- to 30-year-olds have the lowest number of new companies uh, as a percentage in history. And uh, we had more business – Yep, yep. Why is that? Uh, Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. Well, I, I have an answer in a minute. We have more business deaths than births uh... in the last three years some of that is because it's the fallout from two thousand eight uh... but you know the the real another statistic that's quite troubling is the average new company today employs twenty five percent fewer workers than the average new company a decade ago and that's in part because of technology yes. you know during the election we were talking about offshoring to china india and mexico as if that was the problem taking all the jobs from our working and middle class but the real problem some some estimate as much as 85% is technology robotics and computers we don't want to go backwards and unplug those we want to find the programs that will equip our working class to have great jobs not all of those people will be entrepreneurs but the entrepreneurs are the ones who start the companies that employ all of those people so my passion is helping young entrepreneurs be successful and ensuring that the environment that most of today's successful entrepreneurs started in is just as is just as vibrant for the next generation And one of the most important pieces is just what you said. It's education. I think that's where we're most efficient and where we should be focusing a lot of our resources.
0: You know, Michael, I hate to play me too, but that's exactly, you know, Kim and I have more than enough money. It just makes me sick to see what's going on. You know, I mean, I talk to more poor people like my highly educated poor dad, and and I want to puke. I'm going, what are you guys thinking about? Go to school and get a job. Why don't you prepare them for a world without a job and without money?
3: They polled some people recently and asked them if you put a certain amount of money in the bank and you earn 2% interest, if you put $100 in and you earn 2% interest, how much would you have at the end of the year? And the majority of people on the street didn't know that it was $102. Most people don't even know the basics about compound Uh, interest. And uh, Einstein is rumored, I don't think he actually said it, but he's rumored to have said the most powerful force in the universe is compounding. And if you don't understand that, you'll never be able to accumulate wealth.
0: Yeah, but also what he didn't talk about is compounding debt. And that's, you know, that's (laughs) when I look at all this, these cliches, I just go a little nuts, you know, I go, hey, come on. Why people say, do what you love and the money will follow. And my response is, well, I'm best known as a writer, and I hate writing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's do I, what you, I, do what you have, love, work your butt off. <laughs> I have to do what I have to do, and that's what an entrepreneur yeah. has to do. You
3: well, know, there's one piece that goes with that. It's uh, a famous thing. You, I don't know if you've covered it on your program called the Marshmallow Test. Uh, yes. But there was a yeah. famous uh, psychiatrist who tested kids and said if you uh, – you know, if you don't eat the marshmallow I'm putting in front of you, this was three-year-olds for 20 minutes. I'll give you two marshmallows. I ate very it right few away. Kids, <laughs> yeah, well, very, very few kids did it. Yeah. But the few that could wait turned out this was the most successful predictor of future success. Yeah. And it goes right what you're talking about. It's about the ability to have self-control and delay gratification. So you can make a lot of money. But if you spend it as fast as you make it, you're never going to accumulate everything. So it's not just the ability to make money, but it's the ability to save it and delay that gratification yeah. that makes the difference for so many people.
2: Yeah, I thought right. that was great that they followed these kids and found out that they were the success, most successful ones. Uh, if, yeah. I, if I can just go back, Michael, on, you were talking about you know 85% is, is going to be going through robotics and AI and all of this. Where do you and your group see the future for entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, are that where are the opportunities given uh, the world of
3: robotics sure, so um, you know the people in the news are the Zuckerbergs and the Steve Jobs and all of the high tech guys, but the people in the book are flipping hamburgers and driving school buses. Almost every product and service that you use has a company behind it and an entrepreneur behind it. So I think that if we educated our kids to be better entrepreneurs and we simply educated our kids better, that's probably the big disgrace of uh, the United States. Uh, They could be better functioning. A a great example is in Germany you have an apprenticeship uh, system. So instead of going to college, you go to a one or two or three year apprenticeship where you learn skills highly technical skills and these are respected jobs that's why Germany produces you know so much of Europe's uh, cars and automation and robotics so we have a lot of uh, a lot of potential of creating great middle-class jobs with better education Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, disagreement about alternative energy but it turns out alternative energy is employing more people than coal, and it's the fastest-growing part of the energy spectrum. And there's a lot of vets who come back and have the skills to be installers of rooftop solar and all sorts of other types of alternative energy. So that's that's one area. But I think education is the key. If we don't educate our kids better, they're never going to function in a vibrant middle class as uh, we'd like to have that happen.
0: Well, speaking of um, ecological companies, would you tell us about your... Companies at Carmana Technologies Corporation.
3: I will, and I, I just have to correct you. After 30 okay. years, I finally sold uh, my interest uh, just three weeks ago. So I'm no longer chairman, but I took uh, this company in Canada through a, a dramatic transformation. We put in a great team, and we manufactured solar-powered street lights. Uh, we, the buoys that uh, protect our waterways that have flashing red and green lights, all solar-powered now. Uh, we light offshore windmills to keep uh, boats from sailing into them and planes from flying into them. And uh, it's a really exciting area. It's not the solar power uh, industry. This is using solar technology to create wireless products. And uh, this is an amazing little company that uh, I had a lot of fun with. And 30 just, years? I'm still sh- I, uh, I started a private uh, solar lighting business. I started backing it 30 years ago and eventually merged it into this Canadian company five years ago. And uh, now it's all combined into a much larger, much healthier business.
0: You know, well, congratulations. Yeah, that's fantastic. The, the, the key you. word in there is 30 years. You know, yeah. so many people, so many people want to start a business and they think next week they will be a multimillionaire. And I'm going, are you nuts? I mean,
3: I'm going, talk but about, yeah. talk uh, about, actually, no. I lost money. I'm, I'm almost ashamed, but now I'm proud to say I lost money for 25 years, Yeah. but had enough faith to keep, uh, to keep doing it and then eventually merged it. And now it's turned into a very nice success. But
0: that's the marshmallow story. Yeah. Is it? And that's. That's really, 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 really what I think your book Think Bigger is important for people to listen to is because Michael Sonnenfeld is a real entrepreneur. And the reason I say that is I get invited to these many of these entrepreneur conferences. I don't go to them anymore because many of the so-called entrepreneurs are corporate executives. Or they're right. entrepreneurs and, and, that
2: started a, a company uh, teaching entrepreneurship, <laughs>
0: that's and, all they do. And, and, and most of them don't know how to operate without a paycheck. I said, yeah. I said, sweetheart. When you can operate without a paycheck for twenty-five years, then you can talk to me.
2: <laughs> hey, yeah. And, yeah. and Michael, you said one other thing that was key. You said we put in a great team, and so we've had, you know, I think all entrepreneurs have had problems with people and with partners. Um, what was the What was the key in terms of putting in a great team?
3: Well, in the book, I talk about uh, a couple pieces of that. One is. You want to hire somebody for the good, and the bad comes at no extra expense. And what I mean is nobody's, nobody's perfect. Uh, but you have to take into account that every person has blind spots. So, for instance, uh, at Tiger 21, where I'm the chairman, I'm not a great manager. So I've been, I brought in a great management team. So I think uh, what allows entrepreneurs to scale is when they admit their own limitations and then fill those blind spots by the rest of the team. But if you don't have an ego that allows yourself to be surrounded by people who are sometimes better than you are, you'll never build a great team.
2: That's so well said because we see so many self-employed people who just have to be the smartest person and so they cannot bring smarter people around them and therefore their company never grows.
0: So Michael, really thank you for your contribution. Final Thank words to, for our listeners about being entrepreneurs.
3: It's the place that you can fulfill your most important professional dreams and aspirations. If you want to be a creator, you want to do something good, you want to change the world, you want to make people's lives better, be an entrepreneur and see if you can make it happen. If you can, it's the greatest thrill of a lifetime.
0: Amen, Michael. Amen. Thank you for your contribution. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you, Michael. Thank
3: you. Bye. Thank you.
0: And we'll come back, the most popular part of our program, Ask Robert.
1: You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki.
4: Do you own an LLC or LP? Are you aware of the new rules? The IRS has mandated new audit rules that require every LLC operating agreement and LP limited partnership agreement be amended. This dramatic requirement has never before been experienced, and changes must be made by December 31st. Corporate Direct, owned by Rich Dad advisor Garrett Sutton, can guide you through these new rules. Call 800 That's 800-600-1760. Or visit CorporateDirect.com. Contact Corporate Direct today to stay in IRS compliance.
1: Log on to RichDadRadio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, listen to this program on Rich Dad Radio anytime, anywhere, on iTunes or Android, on your schedule. And I'm really, I mean, I just, Kim and I just got back from Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. It's really nice to have people come up and they say they love the program, they listen to it religiously. So it's on their on their time and their schedule. And once again, all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com, richdadradio.com, because repetition is how we learn. And today's guest, Michael Sonnenfeld, is a very important guest, especially for those of you who are considering or already are entrepreneurs. And he is the founder and chairman of Tiger 21, so thank you to him. And my biggest complaint is that we have fake money today after 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard and they could print it. Then we have fake teachers who are still telling people to go to school and get a job. And as Michael says, the jobs are drying up due to technology. So the idea of going to school to get a job, the people they should maybe talk to are the school teachers who don't know what to do if they lost their job. And for Kim and I, one of the reasons we started the Rich Dad Company is both both our fathers lost their jobs. Right, Kim?
2: Yes, that's exactly right and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to become an entrepreneur because I saw my dad put all of his life into a company and then all of a sudden it's gone yep. and he had no control. So I definitely wanted control over my future.
0: And I was just out, I mean, I was just out on the road um, in Peru a couple of years ago and this guy came up to me and he says, oh, I don't have to worry, I'm working for a big bank, I have job <laughs> security and I'm an executive. And I saw him not too long ago, and he said to me, as I should have listened to you." He says I'm 50 years old, I'm from Peru, and I got replaced by a 30-year-old from Pakistan, who speaks Spanish. And I went, "Congratulations!" So now he's trying to figure it out. You know, he's starting over. So that's why Michael's book, "Think Bigger," and 39 other winning strategies and successful entrepreneurs is as Kim and I were talking about in Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil, the reason most people are struggling or in the rat race from our cash flow game is they had fake teachers. Their mother and father told them to go to school and get a job. And that was old, that is old advice today. Not that they're bad people, like my dad, poor dad was a very good man, but he had no idea what he was talking about. He could not see the future coming. And today, as most entrepreneurs know, your competition is not your competition. Your competition is the future,
2: and one other thing is that what I love about tiger twenty one is what how better to than to surround yourself with all these mentors. I mean, Michael's a pretty smart guy because if there is anything any such thing as a shortcut to entrepreneurship. It's being with a good mentor who's doing what you want to be doing and learning from them. Well, so. I think
0: one of the things I love the them is called portfolio defense. Yeah, that was good. <clears throat> That's not what we do here. We have a financial statement defense, income expense, asset liability. And all advisors are required to show and tell. And you know, you'd know, you be surprised what stuff it brings up. You know, People are, people are terrified to tell the truth about their financials. So that's why we have the cash flow game, you know, play the game and if you have the courage, put your real numbers in there. Don't lie. We'll get a bookkeeper to put them in there for you. You'll see you'll see Nirvana very quickly. So once again, thank you for many questions to ask Robert. You can submit your questions to Ask Robert at RichDadRadio dot com. So Melissa, what's your first question? Robert, our
5: first question today comes from Blake in Los Angeles. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So it's Robert and Kim. Since you are both essentially the brand of the Rich Dad Company, what, if any, are your plans to ensure the company or your legacy lives on after your passing?
0: That's a great question. The the company was designed for the legacy alone. That's why we have cash flow clubs. We have thousands of them all over the world, people teaching people. Where Michael Sonnenfeld teaches people who have at least 10, it's it's really about $40 million to join his Tiger 21. The Rich Dad Company does not discriminate on that because we believe in people teaching people. So we created the cash flow game so long after we're gone and we have cash flow coaches and clubs and all that, people can teach people. And
2: um, two other things. Um, Number one, we've also designed it so that the cash flow from all of our investments continues on. When we pass, they don't get sold. The cash flow continues on and we donate all of that money. So the more we rev up our cash flow, people keep saying, you know, when's enough enough? Well, if we can give away more and more and more, wouldn't that be a better thing? So we have that going on, and the second thing also is that we have had these discussions, and it's all in writing. We know exactly what happens with our company if we were to pass tomorrow. Um, it's, all, it's all written, it's all legal, and it's important that you think about that. And my latest an book is Why the Rich
0: are Getting Richer. At the back of the book are 10 lessons. They're video lessons from Rich Dad TV. And in there, Kim and I are talking about how our goal is to pass on a hundred million in cash flow, not net worth, hundred million a year in money to charities or responsible charities, because a lot of fake charities too, all over the world. And so people say, "Well, do you have a hundred million to give away?" I said, "Not today. But by the time we pass on, definitely have a hundred million. That's our goal." So maybe the thing you should do is have a goal as to how much money you plan to you plan to pass on into perpetuity after you're in the ground. Next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Amy in Lakeland, Florida. Favorite book Rich Woman. Hey, Amy, go girl. Amy wants to know. Do you review and receive pitches from aspiring business owners? If so, what is the number one thing you look for in deciding to invest in a business?
0: Notice they don't ask me that question because yeah. I shoot them down He's hard.
2: Asking you too. Yeah, go ahead. It's to both. It's, it's to both. both. it's to both of it's you. To both of
5: I'm,
0: us. I, I am. I am brutal on it. So that's why people stop asking me. I'm, I'm, I'm always pitched. Hey, uh, I got. I got an idea. So good. Keep thinking. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> 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 I, I'm a former Marine. I really have no patience for that stuff.
2: Well, we, I mean, we don't, we don't analyze business deals, but I would say this. The three, the three things that I've talked about um, in a business is, number one, you've got to have something. You've got Your product or service has to solve a problem, number one. Number two, you've got to figure out how you're going to get it out, how you're going to get it known to people. And number three is how you're going to grow your company. So those, were, those would be three things off the top, not to mention, of course, the people aspect, which I believe is the most difficult part of all.
0: And what Michael Sonnenfeld says, again, founder of Tiger 21, is most people don't think of investments. The difference between Kim and I, we started investing first before we started a business. And that drives most people crazy. Well, how do you invest? I said, well, that's why we invest, because that's the most important thing. Why start a business if you have no place to go to it? So for those who have followed the Rich Dad Company, rich dad, red, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, In the book, I I say in there, you know, my business is real estate. That was Ray Kroc of McDonald's. And it goes over most people's heads. But if you look at the cash flow quadrant, which is book two, E's and S's work for money. Kim and I don't work for money. We're B's and I's. So E is
2: employee, S is self-employed, B is business owner, big business, and I is investor. Yeah,
0: the big business is 500 employees or more. So what we do at Rich Dad, the B quadrant, Rich Dad, you know, we teach people with other businesses, but our primary I quadrant, investor quadrant, is real estate. So when people ask, what, what model did Rich Dad follow? It was Ray Kroc, our business is real estate. So we started off as investors, but it's not really investing in real estate. As we say in Why the Rich Are Getting Richer, our latest book, it's really about using debt and taxes to invest. So Kim and I use 100% debt much of the time, so our returns are infinite but also the, go- the government legally gives us tax breaks so we pay sometimes zero taxes on millions of dollars. That's really what we teach, and that's what why the rich are getting richer out now is for you. Next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Emil in New York. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It says, how do you keep on going or stay strong and encouraged when a business situation becomes tougher and tougher?
0: That's a fantastic Mm -hmm. question because that's when, you know, the old saying going gets, when the tough gets going, that the going gets tough. Or as um, Michael Sonnenfeld, founder of Chairman 21, says the marshmallow effect. You know, most people eat the marshmallow. I mean, I would. But anyway, what happens is when the going gets tough, that's where growth takes place. That's where you either grow up or you crash. And so every time I'm stuck with a major problem, and most of them are inside of me, as Kim knows, I create my own problems. We all do. But it's time to grow from the inside, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So we all have problems, and the trouble is do you grow from your problems or do you give up? Comment's going yeah, to-
2: well, that, that's why I always say entrepreneurship is the fastest way to personal development because you're going to p- face problems all the time, and we've had problems where we were where we literally okay. said, is, is this time to shut the door? And you got to take a long, hard
0: oh, w- look in your. Day.
2: Well, you got to take a long, hard look inside to see if you've got that fortitude to keep going. Because- I eat that
0: marshmallow every day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but and it, then I get can, back it, to work it's it's the problems that it's the if you are going to be an entrepreneur you got to know that you're gonna face problems every single day so if you don't like facing problems do not become an entrepreneur
0: yeah stay an employee get that job nine to five that security and pretend the company loves you next question Melissa <laughs> our
5: next question comes from Arturo in San Antonio Texas favorite book rich dad poor dad so did it take years for the newbie investor to understand fully the flow of the stock market or can we simply stand on the shoulders of the giants who know best?
0: That's a fantastic Mm -hmm. question because the Rich Dad Company was founded on one for one thing. We're about to crash. Okay, I'm a student of money, not the stock market. But every 10 years, the markets crash. So the big first crash was 1987, which was about 88, followed by 1998, which was long-term capital management the Russian uh, ruble default, which almost brought down the world economy, so it was 1987 to 1998, 1998 to 2008, and now we're at 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, this is time to get ready for the crash. It's gonna be the biggest in world history. I hope I'm wrong, but if it is, does crash. See, I predicted in my book, Rich Dad's Prophecy, it would happen in 2016. The only reason it didn't happen is because the Federal Reserve Bank and Wall Street printed more money. The trouble is they took a problem of 700 trillion to 1.2 quadrillion. Next crash is gonna be bigger than anything we've ever seen before. So my recommendation is start thinking if you lose your job or you lose your business, what assets are you gonna count on? You know, will it be, I wouldn't count on the dollar, I would be going to Swiss francs, gold, silver. Right now, because I think we're that close. Where 2018 is on the horizon, best start preparing now. Final word on that is, I talk about real teachers and fake teachers and real money and fake money. We've had this gentleman on our program before and he talks about the collapse of Zimbabwe, where $300 trillion took, took to buy an egg. That's in the future of the US dollar, possibly. So ask yourself what's real. When Zimbabwe crashed, the most most things that were most important were toilet paper and tampons. And that's the way you start asking yourself, what is real? Thank you for the question. You can submit your
3: questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. And thank you for listening.